Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Steadfast Sermon Series, which looks at the different areas in the Christian life in which we are called to be steadfast. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's open our Bibles tonight to 1 Peter and chapter number 5. <clears throat> First Peter five, and <clears throat> we're taking some time to uh, to go over our theme and this whole theme of being steadfast. And I hope that uh, I hope that you maybe are beginning to memorize the verse for the year. If you go, of course, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, and uh, where it says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast." Unmovable. Hey, Brian, this is all not working. You want to fix it? Uh, be, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And uh, I hope that you would go and you would look maybe at that theme verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and uh, that you would allow that to maybe be a, a verse that you say, all right, God, I am going to be steadfast. You got it? I am going to be steadfast. I am going to be unmovable and always abounding. And of course, we've been learning what that means and... Um, I don't know about you, but when I look at the, at the, the verse there in 1 Corinthians 15, and as I read that verse, when I first started reading that, I, I always look at that therefore and just kind of wonder, how does it all connect? And of course, we learned that very first week that Paul is saying this, hey, since Jesus rose from the dead, you are victorious. And since you're victorious, you can be steadfast. And we looked at that definition of that word steadfast and saw that really it means more than just to stand firm. It means to, to be firm in our direction and to be firm in our belief and to be firm and, and uh, not wavering in our faith. And so when Paul challenged the believers, hey, be steadfast and unmovable or secure and always abounding, he was challenging them saying, hey, since you have victory in Christ, you are able to do that. And so what we decided to do is just kind of take this idea of steadfast Christianity and unlock some keys. And so last week, we looked at really the, the main key in unlocking biblical, or, or excuse me, steadfast Christianity. We, we looked at the main key of that. And the main key is that if, if you and I are going to be a steadfast Christian, it starts with being steadfast in our personal growth. It starts, listen, it's very basic, and, and I, I mean this, it's very elementary. It starts with just having a consistent walk with God. And a lot of Christians miss out. They miss out on God's best for their life because they are not faithful to the word of God. And I know believers, they say, well, you know what, the Christian life, it isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And the Christian life, it's tough. And the Christian life, and they have all these complaints about the Christian life. And when you get down to it, you start talking to them. They'll say, well, you know, I'm not in the word. And I sit with couples and doing marriage counseling and, well, I'm not in the word. And I sit with teenagers that struggle with parents and it's, well, I'm not in the word. And it all comes back to that elementary decision just to walk with God. Now that, that doesn't solve everything, but it sure gives us a head start. Because we, we're, almost, we're almost tying our arms when we don't do that. We're saying that, we're, well, I'm ready but our hands are tied because we're not getting in the word of God. We're not experiencing that fulfilled Christianity that the Lord would have for us. And that's, 
That's really one of the starts to understanding steadfast Christianity is to understand I must be steadfast in my personal growth. But tonight we're going to come to 1 Peter and, and chapter number 5. And, and I want us to learn another key in, in living out steadfast Christianity. And to help us learn this tonight, really to get started, I need Leo to help me out. So Leo, why don't you come up here and <coughs> you just, just stand right there on the edge. And yep, and just, you can just face that way. And and Leo's going to help me out here, and uh, we're going we're gonna to see what we can do up here. Is that Rockies? One second. Now, if I taped Leo's wrists and I had a robe on Leo and a guy standing behind him and Leo's doing this. <laughs> yeah, what, what's he getting ready to do? I mean, he's getting ready to fight, isn't he? If we put some boxing gloves on him and we got him all duck, decked out, we got him a little, a little sweat band and he began to, no, not me, man. <laughs> he began, he began to, to get all loosened up. What would we say? We'd say, man, he's ready. He's ready to fight. He uh, Thanks, Leo. You okay. did a good job. That's it. You can take the tape off. <laughs> you know what we'd do? If we, if we did all that, we would say, you know what? He's ready to fight. He's ready. To, I picked Leo. You know why? Leo's always ready to fight. He's always ready for a fight. That's why he's always saying, why you been ducking me, Danny? You want to fight? You know? <clears throat> Man, if we did that, we, wouldn't, we would know based upon the attire Based upon the movement, based upon the stretching, based upon all the circumstances, we would say he's ready for a fight. Well, tonight, I want to encourage you in being ready for a fight. And I want us to understand this simple truth that if we're going to live steadfast Christianity, you've got to be steadfast in the fight. You've got to be ready. You've got to put on some boxing gloves, get the robe on, and be ready to duke it out because we have an enemy who is relentlessly coming after us. And tonight we're gonna learn about being steadfast in the fight, understanding that that is what I believe to be a key in living out steadfast Christianity. Let's look at our verses tonight. First Peter chapter five, stand with me if you would. We're just gonna read two verses out of First Peter five, verses that are well known that you probably may have heard or could even quote. First Peter chapter five and verse number eight, the word of God says this, be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. That's a key instruction Paul gave to, or excuse me, that Peter gave to those that he was writing to saying, hey, the devil's after you, but you need to resist him steadfastly. You need to be ready to fight him off. And today we're gonna learn some keys to that, understanding what it is to be steadfast in the fight. Let's pray, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless it. We'll get right in the message. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a, a moment and commit the evening to the Lord. And you can ask God to speak to you And then make the commitment to God that as he speaks to you, that you're listening to him, 
and that you'll respond to him. Dear Lord, we want to come before you and thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it to speak to us. And Lord, we pray that you would do that again tonight. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us in here, that we would be submitted and surrendered to your heart and your spirit. And Lord, that you would speak to us as you desire. I love you, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> First Peter, of course, was written during those early years of Christianity. It was written uh, by Peter uh, to the believers like James wrote and Jude wrote. It was written to the believers that would have been scattered uh, throughout all of the areas. And Peter, he's writing, and, and uh, I think one of the keys of the book of First Peter and the book of Second Peter is, is the key of growth. Peter was really desirous that people would continue moving forward for the Lord and excuse me, as you come to this first letter, which is the book that we would call 1 Peter, Peter's wrapping up the, the letter and he's encouraging the believer in regards to their everyday life. He's kind of talking to them about their everyday life and their everyday spirit. Just kind of, hey, here's how you should go through the day. Here's what you could think about. Here's some tools that will help you in your Christianity. And a few of those we would know. You could probably think of 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. We've preached on them and, and quote them often. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God, or because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Why? For or because he careth for you. And so we know those principles that, that Peter is getting across and saying, hey, listen, uh, if you're going to live out good Christianity and biblical Christianity, you've got to have a walk with God. You've got to be humble. You've got to grow. You've got, and he's going through a lot of these things. And then he writes, uh, he writes that verse about casting your care upon the Lord. It's interesting to me how he follows up that statement. Because he says, casting all your care upon the Lord, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I think those two verses go together pretty good. And here's why. That enemy, the devil, he can cause a lot of cares in this life, can't he? And the devil can bring a lot of frustrations in our life. And so it's no wonder that Peter would write, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you before he writes, be sober, be vigilant, because you have an enemy. We need to know a few things tonight, and we're going to look at this, but I want us to take the word of God and understand from Peter about being steadfast in our fight against the enemy. And I want to give you just three things that will help us and help you, help me. It'll help us be steadfast in the fight. And if we're going to be steadfast in our fight, first, regarding the enemy, we must respect him. We must respect him. What you notice in the phrase in verse number eight that it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a what? Roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. It doesn't say as a purring kitten. It doesn't say as a cute little fluffy, 
there's no such thing as a cute, fluffy cat. But it doesn't say as a fluffy cat. Doesn't say that. Here's what it says. You're a devil, the devil, as a roaring lion. I want us to understand this first thought this evening is that we should respect him because he is dangerous. Respect the devil because he's dangerous. You ever watch somebody, maybe uh, somebody who's an electrician? I talked about electricity. It might have been last week. I don't know. I've heard a ton of messages since then, so they all just kind of run together. Uh, You ever been around someone who really knows what they're doing with electricity? You ever watched how fast they work? Even with lines that that are hot, that are on. I remember when we were getting our power all plugged in there at the house and uh, of course, had a guy come and help, help me uh, figure all everything out. And, and then the city comes to plug everything and hook it all back up. And the city, they're messing with live wires. And they're messing with those live cables and doing everything. And man, you could go to one of them and you could say, well, how can you do that? How can you, how can you I mean, there's so much power there. How are you so courageous to deal with that? One man asked an electrician that years ago, he saw him working with all those lines and he said, it just amazes me how you fellows can calmly work on those lines with all the power that's in there. How do you do it? And that electrician smiled and he said this, well, the first thing you have to do is respect it. Then you can handle it. First thing you have to do is respect it. Then you can handle it. Can I just tell you tonight that Satan is a dangerous enemy. And he is, if I can say it this way, he's a powerful enemy. The Bible tells us that he is the destroyer and he is an accuser. And no doubt we could look and remember that he has destroyed a number of lives, hasn't he? He has great power and great intelligence. The devil has a host of demons who assist him in his attacks on God's people and One man said he's a formidable enemy, and so we must never joke about him, ignore him, or underestimate his ability. I've said it before during a message that I've been around people that they'll have the attitude of bring it on, devil. You know, I'll just bring it on. Oh, I could take on Satan. And there's no respect there. Now, I'm not talking respect in reverence. No, not at all. I'm talking in respect of understanding he's dangerous. And so the Bible brings, Peter brings out this thought. Because of that, be sober. Hey, be sober. The word sober, it means to have your mind under control. We're to be sober. We're to have our mind under control when it comes to our fight with Satan. And and while we have great respect for the devil and, and understand that we must be sober, one of the best things that helps us be sober is to understand who the devil is. Not to believe a lot of the misnomers out there that he's this big red dragon with a pitchfork walking around and and all that stuff. No. We can can know the Bible gives us some things about the devil. I'm going to give you a few thoughts as we go through the message, but the first one tonight is we need to know that the devil, uh, he is not fiction. It means he's not fake. The devil's not fake. He's very, very real. 
kids sometimes have a hard time uh, differentiating reality and imagination. I know when you talk to, you know, little kids and, and maybe they watch, a, they watch a movie or something like that. And I remember uh, Dennis, I've told the story tons of times, but Dennis, when he was real little, that movie Astro Boy came out. And, and Dennis loved Astro Boy. And he would, uh, it was the cutest thing in the world. I don't know what happened, but uh, it was the cutest thing in the world. And he, and, you're still cute. He, that TV would be there and he'd lay on the ground right in front of the TV. And when Astro Boy would fly, Dennis would lay on his stomach and look up at the TV and, and he'd just roll around. He's about two years old. You know, he'd just roll around doing that. And, and we used to think, man, this is the cutest thing in the world. And then he'd get up and he'd go and he'd put on a little cape and he'd jump out and put boots on and say, I'm Astro Boy, you know. And, and uh, we'd, we'd just get a kick out of that and laugh. But, you know, he's about two and three and four years old. And Micah went through the same thing and your kids probably did too. Too, that uh, they had, Dennis had a hard time, Micah had a hard time differentiating like reality and the cartoons or the, the shows. And so Micah, he had his whole thing. Micah, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's like, well, I want to be a preacher during the day and Spider-Man at night. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell people about Jesus. This is a tr- true story. I want to tell people about Jesus during the day and then at night I want to catch the bad guys. <laughs> oh, I'll tell them about Jesus too, but I'm going to catch them. And in his mind, it was, I am going to be a superhero. <clears throat> well, it's, a hard, it's hard to help kids understand that you got to differentiate that that's, that's all fake. It's not real. Can I say that that's really a problem with a lot of adults, a lot of teens also, when it comes to the reality of the devil? It's because of all the movies about the devil and because of all of the end of the world movies and all of the sci-fi movies out there, many people have become desensitized to the reality of the devil. Because uh, the movie industry and Hollywood has painted him out to be that big red dinosaur looking creature like I spoke about. And, and people tend to have two viewpoints about the devil. Either A, they become obsessed with him, with the devil and with the occult, or B, they just act like he's not even there. But can I just tell you tonight that the devil is very, very real and his hatred for you is very real because his hatred for your God is very real. And he's out to destroy you. And so as we come to the passage, be sober. Hey, you've got to respect him. I've got to know he's there. I gotta know he's dangerous. Respect him because he's dangerous. But I want you to understand secondly tonight that we've gotta recognize him and that he's a deceiver. We've gotta recognize him. Respect him, yes, but recognize him and recognize his tactics. We need to know that he is a subtle foe. And because of that, we're instructed, be vigilant. Hey, be sober. No, have your mind, uh, control your mind and know that he is real and he's out to get me. Be vigilant. Hey, be on guard. Be on guard. Why? Because he's a deceiver. And his strategy is to counterfeit whatever God does. You look in the scripture according to the parable of the terrors, whenever God plants or has a true Christian, the devil seeks to plant a counterfeit. Well, why? It's because the devil is the great deceiver. And let me tell you right now that every single Christian in here would be deceived were it not for the word of God and the spirit of God. 
because that's what he does. He's a deceiver. Second Timothy tells us this. Paul wrote, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Let me ask you real quick, what does a deceiver do? They deceive. They lie. If you look up the Greek word for the word deceiver, we get our English word cheat from it. That's exactly what the devil does. He doesn't play fair. He lies and he cheats. He deceives in order to get you to believe his lie and to follow his lie. So it says, because of that, be vigilant. Hey, be on guard. Know that the deceptions of the devil are very real and they're out there. Told you a second ago, the Bible helps us see some truths to understand all of this. The devil, he's not a, he's not a, fiction, a fictitious character, not fiction. But the devil is also, he is not foolish. He's not foolish. So recognize his tactics. Can I tell you tonight that the devil, your opposition, he's not stupid. You know, sometimes we like to think of the devil as just, you know, kind of this dopey character. Not the character dopey from the seven dwarves, but, uh, you know, kind of this ditzy character, you know, that he's just kind of like, well, you know, I, I just kind of cool going along my way. Oh, I guess I'll attack them. And, and we kind of see him as that. And some, they again have that perception of him being that dinosaur or dragon or whatever the case might be. Listen, he's not an idiot. And the devil, he has been doing this longer than you and I have been alive. Longer than all of us have been alive put together. That's how long the devil's been out deceiving. And I want you to know, what does the Bible call him? It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Hey, you know what? He's on the prowl. He's looking. And what's he looking for? He's looking for a Christian who's not living sober, one who's not controlling their own mind. He's looking for a Christian who's not vigilant, who's not on guard, a Christian who's just kind of going through the routine and just kind of going through the motions. That's what the devil's looking for. And so we need to recognize his tactics that he knows when you're weak and he knows when to attack and he knows what deception to send your way. The Bible challenges us in 2 Corinthians, uh, we are not ignorant of his devices. Hey, don't be ignorant of his devices. Understand that his devices are real and that that deception is real. And the devil, he is out to destroy your life because he is a roaring lion. Years ago in the Olympics in Sydney, Australia, there was a man, from, a runner from Africa. His name was Bernard Kip. Laggett is his name. And he's just a very fast runner. And someone did an interview with him and they asked him, what is the strategy for Africa putting out such fast runners? He's a very quick-witted man. Without even thinking about it, he just replied, it's the road signs. They said, the road signs? He said, yeah, the road signs. They say, beware of lion. Makes you run faster. You know what, I know he's just joking about it. But I'm telling you, if you're out in the wild and you see beware of lion, 
I'm not hanging out. I'm not like, oh, cool, a lion. Robert, let's go. Now, Robert's like that. He's like, oh, cool, a lion. Let's go check it out. I'm not doing that. No, I'm saying, Robert, you go ahead. I'll be back at the camp. Best way to outrun a lion is just outrun somebody you're with or trip them. I wouldn't do that to you. Maybe. Just kidding. You know what? What we need to, what I'm just trying to help us understand is that lions are dangerous, aren't they? And so because of that, I need to recognize the danger. I need to recognize the deception. Respect him because he's dangerous, but recognize the, the deception that he has. <clears throat> One of the best ways for us to recognize the deception is to know God's word. Because the better we know God's word, the more keen we are and our spiritual senses will be to detect when he attacks. Because the fact of the matter is that he will use anything to get us to believe a lie. The devil will use people to deceive you. The devil can use situations to deceive you. The devil likes to use partial truths to deceive us. And we need to recognize that he is a great pretender. Don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't go to sleep in your Christian walk. Why? Because the devil, he's going to use anything to get you to doubt and fall away from your fellowship with the Lord. That's his goal. Listen, his goal is to get the believer to stop their fellowship with God. The devil knows that he can't make a believer unsaved. He knows that. Because he knows the word of God better than you and I do. So he knows I can't make them lose their salvation, but I can stop their effectiveness. Well, how do I stop their effectiveness? I unplug them from the source. I break their fellowship. And you want to know one of the best ways that the devil hinders our fellowship is by getting us into sin. Our fellowship is hindered by sin, and the devil knows that. 1 John, 5, or 1 John 1, 5 through 8, it says this, This then is the message as we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he in the light is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. A little bit later, it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I'm not going to expound upon the whole passage, but the idea of 1 John chapter number five is this, that a person can be saved and know God and yet not be in fellowship with God because they've allowed sin to remain in their life. And that's the devil's goal. He wants to get you and I to have a sin or something in our life that would hinder that fellowship. I don't know if any of you pay attention to basketball. I know there's a few basketball fans in here, but in 2002, there was an NBA, an NBA game versus, between the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. As they were going through, I don't know what quarter it happened in, but as they were playing this basketball game, all of a sudden, a bat, the animal, the, the, the night bird, <laughs> swept down and began just zooming in and taking shots at the players on the court. This bat in this huge thousand, you know, multiple thousand person uh, arena is just flying down there and they ended up having to stop the game. They stopped the game for seven minutes 
because of this bat taking, taking darts at things. You know, it's interesting. In that huge arena with all those thousands of people and yet a little itty-bitty bat stopped the whole thing. That's how sin works in your life and mine. And the devil knows it. If I can just get them focused on a little itty-bitty bat, if I can get them focused on a little lie, if I can get them focused on a little sin, if I can get them focused on just something small, I can hinder that fellowship. I can stop the whole thing. Psalm 66, 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord, he won't hear me. Ephesians 5, we're encouraged not to have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Why? Because they hinder our fellowship with God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. Why does it say, and I will receive you? He's saying, because if, you're, if we're in sin, the Bible says that God has no part in that. Oh, we still belong to him, but we hinder the fellowship. And the devil knows that sin hinders our fellowship with the Lord, and so he's going to try to deceive. So what do we do? Respect him. He's dangerous. Recognize him. Why? Because he's the great pretender. He's that deceiver. But lastly tonight, our power and our passage helps us with this. We must resist him. We must resist him. Look at verse number nine. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. The phrase resist steadfast in the faith means that it's steadfast in the belief of God and the doctrines of God. Just as David took his stand against Goliath, trusting in the name of God, so you and I take a stand against Satan, trusting in the name of God. I'll tell you that we're looking at those truths as we go through this. The devil, he's not fiction, he's not foolish. But in this thought about resisting him, we need to understand that the devil, he's not flawless. You know what that means? He's got holes in his armor. There's ways that you and I can defeat him. And while he is real, and while he is cunning, we can also know and have the confidence that the devil has a weakness. And what is his weakness? 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know the devil's weakness is? The devil's weakness is our God. He cowers at our God. And the devil cannot stand our God's presence. And remember this, he can't stand our God's word. He can't stand the word of God. Two keys in us resisting the devil. Number one, it's found in Matthew 4. Matthew 4 is the temptation of Christ. What happened there? The devil tempted Jesus, and what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He used the word of God as his defense. He didn't say, oh, devil, I can take you. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said, nope, thou shalt worship the Lord alone. Thou shalt worship the Lord, and him alone shalt thou serve. The devil, or, or Jesus, excuse me, he quoted scripture. Why? Because he knows. That's our weapon against the enemy. That's our, our piercing weapon that gets through and the devil flees. And that's the first key, Matthew 4. The second key is James 4. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. 
The second key is not, not, the first key is the word of God. The second key is submission to God. What is this? This is just simply saying, God, I understand that I cannot do this. I need you. You know, when you look at the, <clears throat> at the passage that we see, it says this. It says, whom resists steadfast in the faith? That means that the truths of what we believe, our trust in Jehovah, that is what helps us in our victory. We ought not have the spirit of, I can take him. We need to have the spirit of, I surrender and submit to God because God can take him. God, I need your help in this. God, give me verses that will help me in this. God, here's the, here's the area I'm battling in and God, I pray that you would just help me and show me, show me one of the, one of the ways. God, help me see how I can stand against the devil. I found this, this thought, before we can stand before Satan, before we can stand before Satan, we must bow before God. Isn't that a good statement? Before we stand before Satan, before we can stand and think, I can fight, we've got to submit. We've got to submit. And can I tell you tonight, before we close, we just need to understand something. That the fight against the devil, it's not easy. Your fight is not easy. The devil, he is cunning. We saw that. He's powerful. We see that. And so we need to know that when you wake up tomorrow, your fight against the devil and your fight against that flesh that desires just to lean his way, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Let's be honest. I don't think there's anybody in here tonight that would say, oh, I, just, I, have, I easily overcome sin. Yeah, you can put any temptation in my way. I just walk right away. Now, are there certain things that don't, don't tempt us? Well, yeah. I'll be honest right now. Alcohol doesn't tempt me at all. Drugs and, that, and finding stuff like that, you, you put it all in front of me. I'm just going to be like, no. But someone in here, that might be your struggle. And my struggle, you might not struggle with. And maybe yours is, is a lie, or maybe yours is, is some sort of a, a, a bitter spirit, or, or maybe yours is to be a, a, one of those habitual stealers. Or maybe it's a, a thought life or something like that. I don't know what it is. But it's not easy when the devil knows. He knows that area. And so your fight against the devil, it's not going to be easy. But here's the truth I want us to remember as we, as we talk about being steadfast in the fight. Ready to wake up tomorrow and put the boxing gloves on. Ready to wake up tomorrow and, and, and be able to stand against the enemy. Number one, you're not, you're not, your fight's not easy, but number two is this, you're not alone. Listen, the devil doesn't say, all right, put, or, or excuse me, the Lord doesn't say, all right, put the robe on, get the boxing gloves on, now go in the ring, and I'll stand and watch. He doesn't do that. It's almost like the Lord says this, if you'll let me, I'll put the boxing gloves on, and I'll get in the ring, and you stand and watch. He fights for us. Well, how do we know he fights for us? It's that verse I quoted a little bit ago, and we close with it. Ear of God, little children, have overcome them. Why? 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be sober. Respect him. He's, he's dangerous. Be vigilant. Hey, recognize him. Be on guard. Don't let that deception set in. Because your adversary, he's real. He's an enemy. The devil, he's an accuser. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because of that, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. And know that other people are facing the same thing. The last part of verse number nine, hey, you're not in the fight. There's other people that are struggling with this, other people that have gone before you and are struggling with this. The devil has been fought off before and you can stand against him as well. But it's not gonna be in your own strength. And so tonight, I just wanna encourage us, let's make the decision that this week, we're not gonna lean on our strength to overcome the devil. This week, we're not gonna face a temptation or a situation and say, I've got this. This week, when you face that temptation, stop immediately. God, I need you. God, I need help. This week, be prepared. How do I prepare for it? Get up and spend time with him in the mornings. Man, allow, allow your coach, the one, the author and finisher of our faith, allow him to coach you in the faith a little bit so that you can stand up. And as Ephesians chapter six says, you can stand and be on guard. And you can have the truth with you and you can have the sword of the spirit and you can have uh, knowing your salvation and you can have your, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and that all of the armor of Ephesians 6 is about the fight against the wiles of the devil. That's what, that's what Ephesians 6.10 says. That that fight is, is uh, the ability to stand but it's not gonna happen apart from the power of God. And so I just wanna challenge us as we're looking at steadfast Christianity unlocking it. Number one, it starts being steadfast in our personal growth. But I think it continues by saying, I'm going to be steadfast in the fight. Satan, I'm not, I'm not just rolling over. You're not just walking right up to me and pushing me down. No, I understand you are dangerous. But I'm going to be vigilant, recognize your deception. But I want you to know I'm going to resist you because I have an almighty God that's on my side. Let's just make the decision this week when temptation comes, deception comes, whatever the deceiver throws our way, that we're gonna stand with God, with his word, and steadfastly resist. Let's be steadfast in the fight. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.